ask that you would touch every need. Lord, we know that you're able. Okay, we're going to dismiss the, the Sunday school classes and preteen youth. <clears throat> and before the adults have a seat, greet someone. You may or may not want to shake their hand, but you can greet them in Jesus' name. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. <coughs> Hopefully I won't cough too much. But I've been doing that since the beginning of the year, so it's par for the course. All right, well, we'll go ahead and get started then. So we've been um, hearing a lot of lessons the last couple of weeks or so about God's favor, how we could obtain his favor, um, talking about God having great intentions for us. How many believes that today? God wants the best for us. And even sometimes you can think, as parents, what we know is best for our children isn't always what they want. And sometimes that's how we feel with the Lord, isn't it? What he knows is best doesn't always line up with our wants and our desires because we don't always know what's best for us. So we really have to put our faith and our trust in God that he knows what's best for us. So I'm going to talk um, a little bit this morning <clears throat> to look at one of the things in, in Scripture that you hear stated a lot, talked about a lot, and, and it's a, I think it's a little bit of a misconception that people have um, with God and we're going to just get into that a little bit. And the title of my lesson today would be, I Can't Handle It. You know, we've heard a lot of um, teachers and preachers, pastors, say something um, along the lines of, God won't give you more than you can bear. Or, you know, they might say, if, if you're not in a difficult season today, you're probably about ready to go into one or you've just come out of one. Isn't that how it feels sometimes? That we're either just out of it, in it, or getting ready to go through one. And so we all have difficulties that we face. We all have things that, that come up in life. I know I was talking to my husband this morning. We had one of those mornings. It was just like everything that could go wrong or just not go exactly right did from getting in the car and the garage door won't close. Because when I was getting something out of the garage, I bumped the sensor, it wasn't lined up, it wouldn't close, right? So you had to do that. I dropped my AirPod case, it went under the car. So here I am, dressed for church, on my hands and knees. Now my husband's like, oh, he was coming over to get it for me, but I said, oh, I already got it, right? You know, it's just every little thing. We get here at church, my Sunday school door's locked and we have no key. Right? It's just every little thing you know, that could go wrong. It wasn't any big, major catastrophe, but just those little things that Pastor preached about before that just buffet you. Little things that just keep coming at you. And sometimes you get to a point where you just feel like you just can't handle it. I just can't take it anymore. There's too many things. And sometimes it could be just a major catastrophic thing that comes into our lives, right? Those things happen too. could be um, a health diagnosis that doesn't line up with, with good health, and, you know, or for us or for a family member. It could be, you know, something financial. That is a lot of stress on us when we have a financial issue. Your car breaks down and you got to get it fixed, or something happens at your house and you got to fix that. But there's just a lot of things <coughs> that can come on us, and we get to the point where we just can't take it anymore. And when you're in a situation like that, it, it never fails. And I've been this person before where some well-meaning brother or sister comes up to you with 
that annoying Christian advice, right? And they'll say, everything happens for a reason, which everything they're saying is true, and they have the best intentions, but sometimes it just doesn't help in the moment, does it? To think everything happens for a reason, or I don't know why this is happening, but God's going to turn it around for good. And you're about ready to pull your hair out, and you're just thinking that that advice really isn't helping you. And I definitely have given that advice where you don't know what else to say, and you're, you're just trying to be encouraging. And sometimes it can be encouraging, but... Um, you're just at that point where you feel like, I just can't handle it anymore. And they may even say, God will never give you more than you can handle. And that's the topic that I really want to talk about today. Um, in the scripture, I really think that that's a little bit of um, a misnomer, I would say. Um, the Bible says God, people will say the Bible says God will never give you more than handle, but it's more than you can handle. But it's a misunderstanding or a misquote, I believe, of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And that verse says, <clears throat> There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, <coughs> who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So here we see in the scripture, Paul speaking, he tells us God is faithful. And of course, that's good news because we know that he's, he's faithful and he's always going to be, be there for us. But he said he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, then that's where the good news comes in. What does the scripture say? He will make a way to escape. He's going to provide that way out. Scripture never says that he will not let you endure more than you can handle. That's not what the scripture said. But he says that he will give you a way to bear it. So you can kind of see how that interpretation comes where people feel like it's saying, well, you're not going to have more than you can handle. But when you're in that situation and you don't see that way out, sometimes it's hard to kind of latch on to, to that scripture in that interpretation. The misunderstanding, I think, comes from the Greek word here. The Greek word can um, be interpreted as temptation or as a trial. But in order to um, understand which meaning is appropriate, you have to look at the context of the scripture. In this case, Paul is addressing sin. In verse 6, he addressed those who desire evil. In verse 7, he speaks to those who sin through idolatry. <coughs> Verses 8 and 10 continue to address sin. And verse 12 exhorts, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Which again, this is all continuing to focus on sin. This isn't really focusing on trials and tribulations. It's focusing on sin. And Paul doesn't change his focus in verse 13, but he continues to speak about being tempted to sin. So that's really what that scripture there is talking about, is more about the temptation to sin or when you fall into sin. Um, it, and some people will kind of misinterpret it to mean, think that it means storms or problems or trials. And, but that's not really what that context is when you look at it there. If you look in the book of Judges, there's Gideon who says, I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm the least in my family. God, I don't have what it takes to do what you want me to do. So here are some examples that I'm going to go through where we do see that it, at least people felt like there was more that God wanted them to do or that God was placing on them and that it was more than they could handle. 
Moses, he said, and we talked a little bit about this on Thursday night. Now, I'm slow of speech. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good leader. These people are wearing me out. I can't do it all. I don't have what it takes. Esther, it said that she was very, very afraid when everything was happening with her uncle Mordecai. She was very afraid of what the outcome was going to be, and she didn't feel like she could take it on or do it. King David, when the weight of his sin caught up to him in Psalm 38, verses 4 and 8, he said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I can't take it all. And then in verse 8, he said, I'm exhausted and completely crushed. He goes on to say, my groans come from an anguished heart. I don't have what it takes to handle this. Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? We feel like our heart is anguished and we're groaning and crying out to the Lord and we feel like we just can't handle this. That first response, I believe, um, because I believe there are times that God wants to teach us to depend on his presence. For example, how many of you have ever noticed that when things start going really well, it's actually easy for us to forget about God, forget about church, forget about, you know, the help that God has given us in the past. When things are going good, you're less likely to pray if you don't have that faithful, consistent prayer life. When things are going bad, that's when we want to hit our knees, right, and start calling out to God, as we should. But when things are going good, that's when, when we kind of forget about depending upon the presence of God. When life's going the way you want it, you're like, yeah, God, I know you're still there. And I know that if I'm in need, I can come to you. But right now, everything's going good. So let's, let's just keep it going, right? And maybe we don't, we'll, we'll check in again, and, you know, like with your doctor. Everything looks good. Check in in six months. Check in in a year or whatever it may be. Sometimes we treat God that way, right? I, we got things under control now, God. I, I'll see you in six months. Um, and maybe we still come to church, but we're not having that relationship with him like we should. But that's not the way that God wants it to be. So sometimes I think he gives us things so that we learn more to depend on him, to depend on his presence. Because like I said at the beginning, he wants the best for us. And he knows that the best for us is to maintain that daily faithful relationship with him. Not just when we're in need. Think about, you know, with physical children. Parents want that love even when there's no, nothing that the kids want. But our nature, human nature, and the kids' nature is only <coughs> to come when there's something they need or want, right? And we're the same way with God. All right, for this next part, um, I need a volunteer. Anybody want to volunteer? I need somebody who's strong. Who wants to volunteer? I'll give you a hint before you volunteer. You want to volunteer? Does anybody else want to? If not, Heather can. Okay. You can, you can sit on the front row, but just hold this um, weight out in front of you like this for as long as you can. <laughs> you said you were strong. <laughs> okay, just for as long as you can. If you, if you have to take a break or whatever, you know, go ahead. But let's, as I continue to talk. So have you ever met someone who tells you that they don't believe in God, maybe somebody you work with, but the minute something goes wrong in their life, they're asking you to pray. They're coming to you to talk about it. Um, because they know where to turn when things get bad. 
When life gets difficult, it's amazing how suddenly even we are drawn to the presence of God. Right? I know when things go really wrong in life or you have a special need, people want to come to the house of the Lord. They either want to come at church time or maybe even on an off time so that they can, so that they can pray, so that they can come and get what they need from the Lord. Um, and so it's amazing just how, how when things get difficult, that's what people are drawn to. And people should be drawn to us as Christians, right? <clears throat> that's a good thing that they're drawn to us. Now you think, why would God allow us to go through something that would be more than we can handle? Well, like I mentioned, one of the reasons might be to teach us to depend upon him. And you can see that reality in the Old Testament story of Jonah, who also we talked about on Thursday night when we're talking about favor and being available. And if you know his story, basically God said, go preach to the people in Nineveh. And Jonah was like, "Mm, nah, not going to do that. I'm not going to go. I don't like them. Uh, I'm not going there. And he started to rebel. And it's a lot like some of us sometimes when God asks us to do something that we don't want to do, right? We might not be quite so overt as Jonah was about it. We might not be like, nah, not going to do that. But our actions say we're not going to do that, right? Because we find every other excuse at, at a very minimum not to do it right now. Because that's, again, the, our, our very nature. And Jonah was like, no, I'm not going to do that. He started to rebel. Um, and then, you know, for us, if we start to do that, you'll see that when you're not following after God and you're not doing what he has for you, um, your life seems to start to go in a downward spiral. Anybody ever experience that? We see that in the Old Testament with the children of Israel, right? They turn to the Lord. Everything's gone good. Things are going so good that they stop depending upon God. And then before you know it, things aren't going so good, and then they turn back to God, right? And so they have this kind of um, cyclical nature. But in our lives, the same thing can happen, and it's what happened to Jonah. Um, You know, he was thrown off the ship into the water. He was swallowed by the giant fish. And then in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2 and verse 7, here's what it says. It says, And I said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. So what did, why did he cry? What was the reason? His affliction. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I. Remember, he was in the belly of the great fish. And thou heardest my voice. Then go on to verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. So when he was in his affliction, it says his soul fainted, and that's when he remembered the Lord. Right? And that's what we're talking about. When our life starts to go in that downward spiral, that's when we call upon God. And God will answer. Um, and we know here when he talks about mine affliction, he wasn't talking about an illness, right? But he was talking about a situation. He was talking about a trial. Notice what Jonah didn't say. He didn't say, in my success, I called the Lord. But it was in my affliction, in my trial, in my test. It's... It's amazing, although maybe it shouldn't amaze us, how much more we crave God when we're in trouble and how serious we get when we really have a need. Um, Notice that we need him during our distress and we often overlook him in our success. Because when, again, things are going good, we don't feel like we need him. We feel like, hey, I've got this under control. Everything's everything's going great. But then we see that Jonah remembered God when he got to the point of his soul fainting, and that's when he cried unto the Lord. 
So, you know, we just recently finished our 15 Days of Fire campaign, um, and the participation in prayer uh, was great, and, and we're doing good, but I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about it. We need to keep pressing so that we can get our 1,200 hours of prayer in the house of God. Um, but we need to keep pushing on that. Um, and, you, and you just think about how many times when pastor calls for prayer here at the church or on Saturday mornings when we have prayer, it's easier to do something else, whether it's on Saturday morning, turn over and go back to sleep, or whatever else we have on our agenda. Sometimes it's easier to do those things. But when we're in need, then we find a reason to get up and get to the house of the Lord. So if you just can put all of this together... What stops God from putting you in a place of need so that you'll come to him? Because he wants relationship with you. And so when we aren't faithful to the house of the Lord, when we aren't faithful, there may be a need that comes into our life. And it could be a natural storm, right? Not everything is from God or the devil. It could just be something natural. It just could be a storm that comes in. But there are times that I do believe God puts things in our lives to draw us back to him, to turn us back to him. So, good job. You did great. So here's what challenges us sometimes. We get in the middle of the storm. You can put it down. <laughs> you can put it down. You don't have to keep on. You've got to even them out so they feel the same. Okay. All right, so we get in the middle of the storm and we start to wonder about God. Life's not going the way we thought it would. Um, you know, we wish things weren't happening this way. We wonder why. Has anybody ever been there? Where you feel like you have been faithful. You come to the house of God. You pray and still something's happening and you don't know why. You know, again, maybe it's a natural storm. You know, things just do happen to good people, right? Things do happen. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. So things do happen sometimes, but maybe God is calling you to a deeper place with him. Maybe he wants a more intimate relationship with you. But, you know, you start to think, why is this happening? Why would God allow me to experience what feels like more than I can handle? And sometimes we even get to the place where we feel, maybe feel like, has God forsaken me? Is he even here in my prayers? Right? I know I've been there before. But that's when you press through. That's when you know that you're in that storm and you're in that trial and you need to draw even closer to him. <coughs> because every now and when, now and then, the winds will blow and the waves will crash. And you should never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Because he's never going to leave you. Even with Jonah, when that storm came, God was there and he was ready to deliver. But even then, Jonah didn't ask. Jonah told the people around him who were also impacted by the storm, right? Our storms don't only impact us. So other people are going to also be impacted. But he told them, just throw me out of the boat and then you'll be okay because I'm away from you and I won't be impacting you anymore. So they threw him. He got swallowed by the fish. All of these things happened before Jonah even turned to God. So sometimes um, we can think that why... Um, are we in the storm? But the presence of God is still there because he's not going to forsake us. And we ask God, why are you going to allow us to experience more than I can handle? Again, sometimes it's to teach us to depend on him, to draw us to call on him. In my affliction, I remember the Lord and I call him, on him. That's what David said about his calling on God. Psalm 145 verse 18 says, The Lord is 
night is right or near to all who do what? What does the scripture say? Do we have it up there? Psalm 145, 18. It says, all who call on him. Give you a hand. So he's near to us when we call on him. You did good. See, you are strong. But he's near to us when we call on him. That's what the scripture says. So that's why we have to call on him. That's why prayer is so important. That's why we, put, we push it and teach it and preach it. Right? It's not enough just to come into the house of God and call on him once a week. Right? You have to have that relationship. If somebody calls your phone that maybe calls you once a month, you're less likely, likely to pick it up than if it's that person that calls you every day. Even if they text you 911. You're like, I haven't talked to this person in three months. But you, might, you might call them out of curiosity. But you know that person that you have that daily close connection with, that faithful relationship, that's who you're going to hear. And, you know, if you think about Mary, when she went to the tomb looking for Jesus, the body of Jesus, after he was crucified, um, she asked the, who she thought was like a gardener or a caretaker of the area, where have they taken my Lord? And we know that that, gar- that um, caretaker was actually Jesus himself. And all he said was one word to her, Mary. And she knew the way that that man said her name, that it was Jesus. You only have that kind of relationship with someone where you know even the way that they say your name if you have that intimate relationship with them. And so it's so important that we do that so that we can be drawn to his presence. And sometimes, again, God will give us a little incentive. He wants to draw us to him. And so sometimes he has to put things in our way. The second reason often that we experience things and it feels like it's more than we can handle is God wants to teach us about his power. He wants us to experience his supernatural power. If the thing that you're going through is something that you can take care of, then you're going to think it's by your own might. It's by your own power. But when it's bigger than you, that's when you realize when things get resolved that it was him and that it was his supernatural power. And sometimes we have to stop just depending upon our own strength and allow others to help us as well. So Heather, with this weight, was it hard to hold? Did you, you hold it with two hands at one time? How come? I never said that, right? I said just hold this in front of you. Right, I never specifically said hold it with one hand. Did you ask anybody else to help you? No. I never said that you couldn't do that either, right? Sometimes we think that it's our weight to hold. Sometimes we think that we're the only one who is bearing it. But God gives us resources that we don't use. God gives us people to help us. He's there to help us. He can come in at any time. He just wants us to ask. Did anybody come up here and help Heather? No. So that's for us, too, right, to understand when we see somebody going through something, we don't just let them struggle on their own. She didn't ask. We didn't do it, right? And that's what God wants. He's waiting. He's ready. And, but, you know, he's a gentleman. He wants us to come in and ask. He has good intentions for us. When we're going through something, it's not because he's tossed us to the side. It's not because he doesn't want to help us, but he wants us to ask. He wants us to learn to depend him. 
He wants, he has created that need that we can have for him, that we can call upon him. But, and he has the power to take care of it. <clears throat> if one or two people had come and just like held her arm up or held the weight with her, it might have been easy. It might have been an easy burden. What is it that we always say around here when we're trying to do work around the church? Many hands make light work, right? If everybody comes and takes a little job, doesn't feel that hard, and we can all be leave in less than an hour, right? But if only two people come and we have the whole church to spring clean and work to do outside, we're not going to get it done in one day, right? So let's bind together. Let's help each other. Let's come together, and let's not be afraid to ask our brothers and sisters to help us. And of course we should be asking God because he's the one that can just take care of it all. But your brothers and sisters are here to help you as well. So let's bind together and ask one another um, for that help. There's a scripture where Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh and he asked God to take it away. And we don't know exactly what that thorn was. Um, And it could have been anything. But the point was he had something that he just couldn't get past. And sometimes we have similar things as well. And we want to know, God, why don't you remove this? Can't you answer my prayer? Sometimes we feel like he's not able. Can't you just help the depression go away? Can't you heal my child of these headaches or whatever the sickness may be, especially if it's something that's recurring? Um, It's hard sometimes to see someone we love suffer. You might think, can't you fix my marriage? Can't you turn my teen back towards God? All these different things that come into our mind. But we know that he can handle all. And sometimes we just don't understand why he hasn't handled it yet. Why would God allow us to have more than we could handle? That's what we keep going back to thinking. Um, And it's exactly where Paul was. And God actually spoke to Paul and said something that was powerful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, After Paul asked God, why didn't you take this away? God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For for what? My strength is made perfect. How? In weakness. Sometimes we have to realize the weakness in us so that we can allow his strength to be made perfect and even our own strength to increase. Verses 10 and 11, he goes on. um, He says, I delight in the insults that others are giving because he knows that people are insulting him not because of him but because of him serving the Lord he said I delight in hardships what had Paul experienced do we remember he was beaten he was whipped he was left for dead he was snake bitten and he said I delight in these hardships that's a tough one to to do, isn't it? I think that would be difficult for me to say I delight in all those things, but he did. I delight in persecutions. When there are spiritual opposition against me, I delight in difficulties. <clears throat> and why did he say that? For when I am weak, then I can be strong. So sometimes we have to get into that weakened condition so that we can grow in strength with God. It's actually um, the philosophy of a lot of like boot camps and military institutions and things. What do they do? They physically break you down, mentally break you down, so that they can build you back up the way they want you to be. And sometimes God does that to us in a slightly different way than the military would do it. But sometimes he has to break down those walls that we've built up. He has to break down those barriers that we have to what he wants to do in our lives 
so that he can remake us in his image. If you've ever been involved in like remodeling a building or a house or something, there are some things that have to come down so that you can make it into what you want it to be. In this room that we're in now, this was like a bunch of like hallways and little offices. All of those walls had to come down so that we could have one big room with a sanctuary. And we had to put in the, the trusses and things like that. So there's work that has to be done. There's destruction that has to be done before you can construct things. And that's what God has to do sometimes with us. He has to send those trials and tests or let us go through them. Sometimes it's a natural storm that we want him to deliver us from. But sometimes he has to let us go through it so that we can grow and expand. And again, if, if you're a parent and you, th and you think about your children, a lot of times you have to let them struggle with something so they can learn. You don't step in, you know, when, when Olivia's doing something, I'm like, what letter is this? Or whatever. And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, you try, think about it. You know, like I don't automatically just tell her. Like, I try to help her through it. And then, in the end, I, you know, tell her what it is or do it for her or whatever if she really can't. But I have to let her struggle a little bit. You have to let them, you know, take that time to say, I can, otherwise they'll think they never can do it. As soon as there's something that they struggle with, they're going to walk away. But you have to let them, in a safe environment, which is what God does for us, struggle through that so that we can grow in him and we can become what he wants us to be. We can't just allow the, the little things that come up and the big things to just turn us aside from God because we have to have at the base of our understanding that God truly has the best intentions for us. If we really believe that, and I've said this often, I know, but if you really believe that God has those best intentions, you're going to trust him. You might not understand it, but if you believe it, you're going to trust the process. You're going to trust what he's doing. Doesn't mean we have to like it. Again, I use this example a lot, which clearly I don't actively use in my life. But if you work out, and if you diet, and you do the hard parts, and you may not like, there was a, a brief period of time I was working with a trainer, trying to lose weight and get stronger, but um, I didn't always like her, you know? And she was a good trainer, so she um, didn't let me get away with some stuff that I wanted to get away with. You know, she'd be like, nope, you've got to run up those stairs. You've got to run down those stairs. And I would go up to the top of the stairs, and she was down. So she would, she would come to our house. And, um, and she was like, Melody, where are you? Because I was trying to take a little breather up there. Because <laughs> it was hard, right? So I didn't always like her. And some mornings I was like, oh, I really wish she wasn't coming today. Right? You might not always like it, but why did I keep paying her to do it? Because I knew it was going to help me. I trusted that what she was doing was going to be helpful. And that's where we have to be with God. We have to trust that no matter what the storm is, um, whether he sent it to draw us to him, or whether it's just something that we're going through and, and he's allowing us to learn in it, we have to trust that he has the best intentions. And if we really believe that, we'll never question why. We might say, I don't understand. But we'll know that he has the best in mind for us and that his favor is going to bring us through. Eventually, I know another um, saying that I, that I like to use is, if you can, 
If you can do something, if you can, God expects you to. If you're able, he wants you to do it. Again, back to my example with Olivia. If she can do it, I, I want her to do it. Right? I don't want to do everything for her. But if you can't, God will. And that's just like us as parents. Like If I know it's something she can't do, I'm not going to ask her to do it. I'm going to do it for her. But if it's something she can do, I expect her to do it, even if it's a little bit of a struggle. I'll help her. I'll instruct her. I'll teach her and lead her. But I expect her to do it because she can. But again, we always can hold on to that. But if I can't, you know, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. But he will help you handle what you're given. He's not going to expect you to handle it alone. He's going to be there to help you. Because again, God has favor in mind for us. He has the best intentions for us. But we have to do our part. We have to turn to him. We have to pray. We have to have that relationship with him so that those things can come through. Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you.